You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Love Cast. Okay, so big fag, two dicks in the mouth. That's like a big fag thing. Um, even bigger fag, no room for dicks in your mouth because show tunes are pouring out. You can't wedge the dick in because of the show tune. I have a show tune stuck in my head. It's May, it's May, that lovely month when everyone goes blissfully astray. Tra-la, it's here, that shocking time of year when tons of wicked little thoughts merrily appear. It's May. It's May. It's nice out. It's spring. The sun is shining. And uh, I got a letter recently from somebody who... Gave a blowjob to his partner's brother, who's straight, and then crushed out on his partner's brother. I, I ran it as a Savage Love letter of the day, which you will receive every day on your phone if you get the Savage Love app for iPhone or Android. Blah, blah, blah. So I got this letter from this guy who gave a blowjob to his boyfriend's brother. And some people said that's fake. It's to letter to penthouse and, you know, the boyfriend's brother was uh, old, married, had grown children who were out of the house, and the boyfriend was middle-aged, as was the boy guy who gave the blowjob. And, you know, if that was a fake letter, and for every reader save one, every letter is a good hypothetical situation. So even if the occasional fake sneaks onto the column or here onto the podcast, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. But I ran that letter, and I got a letter in response uh, from a, a gay guy who was in a similar position, he was uh, giving blowjobs to his sort of best friend, who is a girl, his best friend's boyfriend, who's straight. And this gay guy is giving him blowjobs. And what was sort of lusty month of Mayish about this letter was that the girlfriend knew, girlfriend of the guy he was blowing and good friend of the guy doing the blowing, uh, gay guy blowing, straight guy accepting blowjobs. And the way this all happened was not a drunken situation, not alcohol, uh, no deceit. But the girl sort of acknowledged that she didn't like giving head. And the straight guy grumped that he had never actually been blown by anyone who loved to suck dick. And the gay guy offered, not to suck dick, just offered this fact about himself that he loved to suck dick. And the straight guy observed that it must be different to have your dick sucked by somebody who loves it. And now they have this sort of regular lusty month of May thing going on where he blows him while he makes out with her. While the straight guy makes out with his girlfriend, the gay good friend blows the straight guy and blows him that way that somebody who loves to give head, only somebody who loves to get head can blow a guy. And isn't that the way the world should work? You know, people cooperating, everybody getting what they want, everybody happy, everybody lusty month of maying it up. Usually there's a rant here at the top of the show where I'm upset about something. And getting this letter today, it gave me hope. Hope that really anything is possible when people come together and cooperate. And it, you know, brings me back to... The lusty month of May, that darling month when everyone throws self-control away. It's time to do a wretched thing or two and try to make each precious day one you'll always rue. And then give us a call about it and let us know what you were up to this weekend. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash savage. 
This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a woman in my late 20s, and um, I have a question for you. Um, my husband and I are really good friends with another couple um, we've been friends for years, and um, they we, they got married about two years ago, the same summer that we did. My husband's actually known the man and this couple since high school. They're like best friends, and we're all very close. A few weeks ago, um, the woman in this couple over drinks told me that they're having some problems in their marriage, and I listened and was supportive as much as I could be and be a good friend. And then um, it came out that she she told me that she actually has been having an affair with a coworker of hers um, for a month or so now. I'm not sure the timeline. And she's been lying to her husband and sneaking around and she's been seeing this guy and fooling around with him in hotels and after, before work and after work and all kinds of stuff. And she made me promise um, that I wouldn't tell anyone, including my husband and her husband. And in my, um, after a few drinks, I told her that I wouldn't tell anyone. And that was my first reaction to just shut up and keep my mouth shut and not butt in. It's not my relationship. It's not my business. And I don't want to be nosy. But then, after thinking about it for a while, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. I feel like she put me in kind of a shitty position. I'm very close friends with her husband. I've known him for almost 10 years now. And I would want to know if I were him, that my wife was cheating on me. Um, So what do I do? Do I keep my mouth shut? Do I pretend I don't know? Do I tell her that I'm going to tell her husband if she doesn't? Do I tell my husband? Do I just call this guy and say, sorry, I have terrible news for you? I really have no idea what to do and what the right thing is to do here. And I don't want to mess up because I just want to, I just don't want to do anything that I shouldn't do. Your friend has put you in an impossible position where there is no move you can make, including doing nothing and remaining silent where you're not wronging someone or betraying your own values and all I can do I can't tell you what to do I'm just projecting myself into this situation and here's what I would do I would tell my friend that I couldn't see her and I couldn't hang out with her and that she'd put me in this impossible position and I was angry about it I would also point out that her telling me was really a way of her telling her husband this isn't the sort of secret that keeps when she unburdened herself to you you know, when you speak to someone who's married, the, the default assumption is that there is nothing withheld in the marriage bed, that, that everything is shared. You know, you don't tell a husband something that can't be told to the wife and vice versa because it's really hard to be in a marriage where secrets are being kept. Uh, and if you have a healthy marriage, that's not going on. And, you know, spouses need to unburden themselves to each other, which is why a spouse legally can't be required to testify against a spouse in a court of law unless that spouse is gay and their marriage isn't recognized. We're going to leave that alone for right now. So I would tell her you're going to tell your husband and now you're both going to be in this impossible situation where you are not just aware of a betrayal uh, of a good friend of 10 years, but really now drafted into the betrayal. You are now participants in the betrayal, or actually I'm making this all about me. I am now participating in the betrayal of my friend because I am keeping the secret from him and facilitating further betrayals. And I would warn my friend that there's only so long that I'm going to be able to keep this up and put her on notice that she has maybe two weeks, maybe a month 
until she needs to disclose or I am going to crack under the pressure and strain of keeping the secret and tell him myself. And I think that's secretly what she wants. That she wants to be exposed, but she doesn't want to, she doesn't have the courage or the decency or the integrity to just go and tell him herself. She wants somebody else to do the hard work of looking him in the eye and delivering the bad news and then she can handle the fallout, including perhaps uh, the end of the marriage, which may be what she really wants. And in the end, you may not be betraying her trust or confidence when you tell because that, even though she swore you to secrecy, I believe is truly what she wants. She wants him to know she doesn't have the courage to tell him herself and she's shifted that task to your shoulders. Hey, Dan and the TSARYs. I've got a common problem, but with a new twist to it. And I was hoping you could help me out. So I've been together with my girlfriend for four years. And when we first got together, of course, the sex was amazing and, off and often. Um, and now, four years later, it's not there anymore. <laughs> she went through a... A hard time with her birth control. It kind of messed up her hormones and her um, cycle. And ever since then, um, her libido has been really low, really down. And in the beginning, this caused a lot of trouble. I didn't realize what was going on. She didn't want to tell me about it because she was feeling guilty. Uh, finally, I realized what was going on, and I said, okay, no sex for a month so that you don't have to feel guilty anymore, and I can kiss you without you thinking that I'm going wanting sex. So... That went really well, got our relationship back together, and then her libido kind of stuck in that once a month, and mine seems to be on every day. And so we've been finding ways to get around this, and this is where the story takes a twist. We both recognize that our uh, sex drives are opposite, very not compatible, and she is doing everything to make it work. She is amazing. She's giving me hand jobs and encouraging me to watch porn and really wanting to make sure that I'm taken care of. But my problem is that all of those things are actually making me want it more. It's not helping in the way that she's hoping. And it's finally gotten to the point where she's wanting an open relationship so that I can go and get satisfied with sex um, with someone else so that she doesn't have to feel guilty anymore and she doesn't have to worry about it and I can come back and we can have our, our amazing relationship that we have and try and fix this sex thing. And normally I would hate the idea. I am a very jealous person at heart and the idea of an open relationship is hard for me but <laughs> I feel like a hypocritical douche. But the idea of it is appealing as long as she doesn't want sex herself. I would be somehow okay with a one-way open relationship. And I don't really like that about myself, but it seems to be the only solution that is floating around right now because it has definitely gotten to a point where it's putting a strain on our relationship. So my two questions. One, if it was a hormone thing that messed her up, is there any way that she'll get back to her original sex drive? And two, am I being a hypocritical douche by accepting a one-way open relationship and is that going to cause strain on the relationship in ways that I'm just not foreseeing because I'm focused on this need sex <laughs> so any advice would be great Dan 
So before I can let you know whether you're a hypocritical douche for accepting a one-way open relationship, I need to verify that that's been offered. Has she agreed to that? Like, we have an open relationship. You can fuck anybody you want, but I can't and I won't because you're not comfortable with that? No, she hasn't. This has never gotten past the musing stage, but she admitted to me that she wanted, that she has thought how nice it would be if I could go out and have fuck buddies so that she wouldn't have to feel the stress of it. And so you haven't I, had the rest of the conversation, like what else so that I, might mean. Right. And I don't, so I don't know if I even want to approach the conversation feeling like a hypocritical douche saying, great, that sounds great, um, but I don't want you to have the same. <laughs> so what, what, why don't you want her to have the same? Oh, I, I'm a jealous guy is what it comes down to. The idea of her sleeping with someone else when I would rather in my really my dreams we'd just be having all the sex in the world if she's not having sex with me and then goes and have sex with someone else that is i don't like that okay so what if i took what if her having sex with someone else or at least permission to the freedom to what if that kicked her libido back into gear yeah i mean that what if that be... sense of excitement possibility is actually what it took to reboot her libido what then yeah um, that might be the case, and I'd have to make that decision on whether that's worth it. I mean, and this is why I feel like a hypocrite. It's because, you know, I'm I'm still holding out the hope that her libido is going to come roaring back, and it's just going to be for me, and we can have all the sex for the rest of our life, and I don't have <laughs> to look at anyone else, and she doesn't have to look for anyone else, and, you know, that's kind of my dream of dreams, but I realize that's kind of unrealistic. <laughs> Well, it might be unrealistic. It also could be, you know, a coincidence that, you know, you guys were together. The sex was awesome. She went on birth control. Her hormones got janked up. She went off the birth control and things are fine now, but her desire is still at a low ebb, not anymore because of, you know, a hormonal issue, but because of boredom or familiarity or just the rut. Yeah. And that it's just the timing is a coincidence and it may take some sort of radical shakeup of your sex life to crank her back up. And that could be, you know, her having license to have sex with other people. Maybe that could be you actually going out and having sex with other people. You need to have a, a, a wider conversation with her about what this might mean. I've known people who were in unfair open relationships right. where one person had license and the other didn't. And I don't have a problem with that, so long as the person who has agreed to having less, you know, quote-unquote freedom than the other right. person doesn't feel aggrieved and isn't, you know, upset. And some people eroticize that power imbalance. You know, so many kinks are just eroticized power imbalances. And so they're actually a little turned on by the fact that their partner has more freedom and they have less and she may be one of those folks who's turned on by that idea that you're, you know, a stud and a cock of the walk and you have sex with more women than her. And that may be what it takes. But 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 who knows? You have to have you have to risk having the rest of the conversation with her about this is what you're offering me. And what is it that you want in return right. beyond perhaps just not having to feel guilty and feeling like the pressure's off? And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for her. Yeah. But I don't think you're a hypocritical douche. Uh, and, okay. you know, I've known people who are gay who have that set up with their boyfriends. So it's not necessarily even, I think, that you're sexist in any way. 
Um, and I've known people who in straight relationships where she had total license and he didn't because he was a little turned on by her fucking other men and she was too threatened by him fucking other women. So everybody gets to make their own rules. And so long as both partners are comfortable and nobody feels abused and these rules can be revisited and renegotiated in good faith uh, every step of the way, it's not a problem. But you have to have the rest of that conversation with her. Have the rest of the conversation, and then when she says, "Well, I'd like, you know, maybe if my sex drive turns back on, then I can go have other guys as well," and I'd say, mm, "I don't know about that," and I just see it kind of stalling there, and then she feels like she's out of ideas. <laughs> well, I think that when she says that, like she says, then you ask what that means. You know, there was okay. there's a really interesting study out of the uh, Indiana University that showed that men had an easier time becoming aroused with a familiar partner and women had an easier time becoming aroused with an unfamiliar partner. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that one. I found that interesting. And it is really interesting. <laughs> uh, it points to, you know, what Tinkerbell's men's dicks are, that it helps to have somebody in the room who really believes and will clap um, and has, you know, seen that thing get hard and fly around the room before. Right. Um, <laughs> And with women, you know, a little bit of risk, a little bit of danger, a little bit of sort of new, just like purses and shoes, apparently, uh, can, you know, I'm generalizing here about four right. billion people and there will be hundreds of millions of exceptions and they're all rushing to the phones right now. That can actually work. And then, you know, if if you have that conversation where it's just like – she's like, well, I might want to be sexual with some other men. Maybe I might like to have that right even though right now I have no desire at all to act on it. Then you can have the hard swap, soft swap conversation that swingers have. You know, huh. maybe full intercourse with other people is something that you would find too threatening if she was engaged in and it would be, you know, too crazy making for you. But oral sex with other people or just manual – Right. That there All there are degrees of, of intimacy that, that, that you know, it doesn't have to be you anything goes uh, with another dude that you guys can really negotiate what's okay for you, what's okay for her. Right. And if somebody what? look from the outside said, "Hey, that's not fair." Well, it's not ice cream. You know, it's not two right. bowls and you have to like divide it absolutely down the middle <laughs> or someone's getting cheated out of their fair share. It's about what works and what makes you both happy. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, as with everything you say, Dan, it's just basically talking to her and finding what compromise we can Oh, shit. You've, un- you've cracked the code. Now we're done. The show's <laughs> over. No, there it is. And now maybe I'll just start my own sex advice. I'll just keep on doing that one. <laughs> Good luck. Give us a call after you uh, talk it the rest of the way out. All right. I'll do it. Thanks, Dan. Sure. Bye. Also, it needs to be said when a woman is suffering from low libido before you, know, you necessarily get your buy off to go fuck a million other people. Hormone levels need to be checked, testosterone levels, thyroid, uh, that a full medical checkup may be in order because it could be an underlying uh, medical condition that's causing the drop-off in libido beyond a birth control issue or a boredom issue. Um, so I would chase all those things down uh, before you open the relationship if opening the relationship indeed feels like a threat. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, narrated by Tina Fey. It's five hours and 35 minutes of Tina Fey reading Tina Fey. Uh, The offer that Audible... Dot com makes every week on the podcast is a one-time offer. You get one free audiobook. If you've held out this long and have not tried their service, now is the time. This book is amazing and it is hilarious. 
and you can get it for free because audiblepodcast.com offers a free audiobook of your choice just once to listeners of the Savage Lovecast at audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a uh, 23-year-old male with a question about um, his, my ex-girlfriend. Um, we've been apart for about three or four months, um, and that's fine. Um, we were in a long-distance relationship for a while, and I went to visit her away, and she dumped me while I was there. Um, but because I was sort of a heartbroken puddle of mush, I couldn't bring myself to sort of say, God damn it, I hate you now. So I just sort of said, okay, well, I accept your decision. You know, let's be friends, blah, blah, blah. So I left. Um, but now that I've had time apart from her for a couple months, um, you know, I realize now what a bitch she was and how fucking abominable her behavior was because she basically left me for another guy that I said could visit her before I visited her and it was apparent when I got there that she was into the sky and basically she chatted with him quite a bit while I was there and uh, didn't have much, you know, regard for my feelings about the fact that, you know, I was still really into her and stuff. But anyway, that's the past and I'm over it. Problem is she's coming back soon and we share a lot of friends and I'm going to have to see her again. I can't just say, you know, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you again because I'm going to have to see her again. So, um, she basically thinks that things are hunky-dory between us and that not everything's fine and probably might want to even hang out again. But, you know, I hate her guts. So what do I do? Do I sort of tell her um, that, you know, I hate her guts, her behavior was terrible and potentially create a rift between our group of friends? You know, I'm 23, not 16. I don't want a lot of drama. But at the same time, I don't want her to sort of live with the idea that the breakup was a good one because, you know, she's told me, oh, well, we can still be friends because we had a good breakup. But no, we really didn't, and I despise you. So what do I do? She probably doesn't think you had a good breakup. She wishes you had a good breakup. And she, if she has a soul, and I believe that she does, feels guilty about her behavior, but she's sort of willing this to good breakup status by just pretending that you had a good breakup and saying, oh, we had a good breakup, right? Yeah, we had a good breakup. Yeah, let's like get on with it. And what you need to do is let her know. Communicate like the last caller busted me on. It's all about communication. Tell her you're angry. Tell her what she did was shitty and give her the opportunity to apologize, to stop pretending that the breakup was better than it was because that's how she wishes it had been handled because she does want to have a relationship with you in the future, at least as friends, at least, at least casually and through your mutual friends. So give her the opportunity to make it up to you. Give her the opportunity, like I said, to apologize by telling her not that you hate her guts and she's a bitch and a cunt and a whore and what she did was inexcusable. In you know, the, the vast catalog of wrongs that people in their early 20s have committed, that girlfriends and boyfriends uh, have – the, the sins that girlfriends and boyfriends have committed over the years, what she did was shitty, but not unprecedented and not unforgivable. So give her the chance to apologize by letting her know that you're a little pissed off and a little aggrieved and then forgive her. And if not for her sake, then out of consideration for the feelings of your mutual friends. 
This podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix delivers movies to your home in about one business day. Plus, you can instantly stream thousands of TV episodes and movies directly to your PC or Mac or right to your TV through Netflix-enabled devices such as the Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii, all without late fees or due dates. One of the movies available to watch instantly this week on Netflix is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. The uh, 1994 Australian film that inspired the new Broadway musical that I saw last week, which is excellent. The film stars Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, and Terrence Stamp, and of course, Guy Pearce's tits. For a free trial, and to instantly watch this movie and Guy Pearce's tits, or choose from thousands of TV episodes and other movies not featuring Guy Pearce's tits, go to netflix.com slash savage. Be sure to sign up with that Earl, netflix.com slash savage. We don't have any calls about it this week, but we frequently get calls on this subject and I frequently get questions at Savage Love for the column. The subject, female ejaculation. And we have a female ejaculator, presumably. Yes. Heike Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Am I mispronouncing your name? You're pronouncing it correctly. It's like kraut and Spanish. <laughs> welded together into a beautiful name. Heike Rodriguez is here. And you teach female ejaculation in West Seattle, which is a bit like saying I teach fist fucking on Staten Island. What does that mean? Do you like have a – do you have a, like a shingle you hang out? Do you have a – is it a cart you roll out onto a street corner in West Seattle and you teach female ejaculation on street corners? We have converted a living room into a teaching space and we mostly use Facebook. And who is we? Um, I have a teaching partner who's also my partner in real life, Mm -hmm. Tim Anderson, and he has been teaching this for a long time. He's written a book and introduced me to female ejaculation. And And how did did you and female ejaculation hit it off? We did. We've been together for years now. (laughs) (laughs) So why a workshop? Why do you need a workshop on female ejaculation? Because, um, you know, the rap is usually this is something some women can do, some women can't do. Is this something any woman can do? That's actually a myth. Every woman can do it. Everybody has a G-spot. There's no argument about that. The anatomy is there for mm-hmm. pretty much everybody. And a lot of women don't do it because there's no information out there about it. There may be books, but it's so hard to learn. It's I mean, so hard to get a book into your vagina. It's hard, yeah. And, and, and I your mean, G-spot you don't learn how to have sex from a book, right? Right. So why would you learn how to ejaculate from a book? You don't learn how to poop from a book. You know, you go and do it. Speak for yourself. We're a very literate <laughs> family. Um, my family. Okay, so. So we use workshops because people have questions and they're embarrassed. And, and, they're, and the top question I get about female ejaculation is, and I'm sure you've fielded this question a thousand times and you are ready to go, is it pee? It's impossible to pee while you're aroused. It's Really simple. You can't pee. Well, no, what you're ejaculating. When a woman no, ejaculates, is it urine? No, it what isn't. What is it? It's Spackle, actually really similar lemonade. to the uh, fluid that comes out of the men's prostate. So there's the female prostate, and it produces liquid all the time, actually. And when you're aroused, it produces a lot. And that's actually been chemically analyzed. It was a trick question because I knew the answer. Mm-hmm. Female ejaculate has been chemically analyzed, and it's analogous to male prostate fluid, and it is not urine when they yeah it's completely scrape different it up off the floor and take it to the lab it is not urine despite what you may have heard well and you can try it at home you can taste it and smell it and it's nothing like urine it doesn't stain it doesn't i'm just stink. gonna take your fucking word for it that's some book learning <laughs> i'll embrace i'm not taking it home and gonna taste it and smell it what's funny though when you talk to guys who, are, who insist that it has to be urine 
they'll tell you with a straight face, literally a straight face, because it's never gay guys who say this. It comes out of the same hole that like pee comes out of on a woman, so it's got to be pee. And you look at him and go, "Where does your ejaculate come out of?" The same hole your pee comes out of, but it ain't pee when you ejaculate. Yeah, it's shocking. I know. So uh, I have to challenge you though on this idea that all women can learn to ejaculate because I've I know some women uh, who are very sex positive and very into their bodies and completely comfortable and totally explored every inch and tried and tried and tried and no hangups and can't ejaculate. And there's something about their G-spot or vestigial prostate tissues uh, or nascent prostate tissues, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd have to describe them as. And, and it just doesn't click for them. Should they feel damaged or that they just haven't tried hard enough? What about women who've given it the try and can't? I think it has. it doesn't have so much to do with being in your body or being sex positive. It has a lot to do with emotions. Some people say that the G-spot is like the emotional center of our reproductive system. And I don't think anybody should feel bad because they can't do it. And also sometimes trying doesn't really get you there. But it has a lot to do with connecting intimacy with sex. It has a lot to do with letting your emotions flow, with being willing to cry when you feel something intensely. And that's not something that is really out there as a part of sex. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of women can't do it because they haven't connected their heart with their vaginas. I mean, there's a lot of women out there who are anorgasmic, who can't come. And now they find out they're failing to come in two ways. They're not having <laughs> orgasm orgasms and they're not having gushers either. And, and what do you say to those women who feel sort of beaten up on uh, because of these expectations around female sexual response that seem to be growing? Well, the first thing I say is I understand it. I was non-orgasmic for many, many years, and I couldn't ejaculate. I ne had never even heard of it. And I knew – I found out why that was the case for me. It was because I was raped at the age of six, and I didn't know it. I didn't remember it. And there are a lot of people out there who have some sort of trauma. It's emotional trauma. It's sexual trauma. It's physical trauma. And it's stored in their body, and it makes some parts of their body inaccessible. Okay, so a woman who, who's out there listening who wants to – who hasn't ejaculated, say she's already orgasmic the old-fashioned way, mm -hmm. dry orgasms with a couple olives. How does she get to uh, ejaculate? How do you get her to that point? What does she need to do? What does she need to explore? I think depending on what is the most uncomfortable for her, I would try to think that's the most uncomfortable by herself and just give it a lot of time. She can try by herself. She can just explore that area around the G-spot. And where is that area? So when you insert a finger from the front and there's a ridge, you can feel the ridge. It's, you know, it's not soft like the tissue around it mm -hmm. and it's the belly button side of the vagina, the frontal wall. You can feel it. It moves sometimes depending on the time of you the month. You can feel it. I can feel I it. I don't want to feel it. <laughs> I I'm challenge you to feel that spot. <laughs> You're drawing me a map to a country I'm never going to visit, but I'll take your word on it. <laughs> So and we're speaking to the the listener. You right, can feel it. Speaking to the listener, you can feel it. And just my hands are on the that. table right now. I want to throw that out there for the listeners at home. Go ahead. Um, and it's just something to explore. I mean, if there's numbness, then that's information. There might be something that's being numbed. If it's really painful, then maybe some emotional pain needs to be, be released. And if there's just a little bit of pleasure, then maybe more intensity is needed. And I would just play with it. I mean, it's not one of those standards. Pressure never helps. It mm -hmm. never helps to turn it into a you can fail or succeed thing. And I don't feel better because I ejaculate. I feel better because I have tried and I have overcome some obstacles and I've worked through my shit some more and I have spent time with myself on it. Can you unlearn it 
Every once in a while, I get a letter. I get a letter from a woman who's a, a gusher who ejaculates every time she has an orgasm. And the volume of ejaculate is so enormous. Soaks the sheets, soaks the blanket, soaks the mattress. And she wants to turn it off and can't. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of like trying to unlearn sneezing or farting. You know, you can really, now, really try. Now, if I try. compare female ejaculation to sneezing and farting, I'd get in trouble. <laughs> I would Why? get so many angry letters saying, how dare, because I'm comparing, like, female ejaculation to farts. But go ahead. It's a bodily function. It. it is a bodily What's function. What's the difference? I mean, okay, some people think, think it's sacred, but, you okay, know. so you can't unlearn it. So if you're gushing, you're gushing. You can suppress it. You can suppress everything. You can push it down and tell your body to never, never do that again. You can clench down on it and not let it happen, but... But you're like you know, you're gonna fart the, then and sneeze. It's As not you really clench healthy, down on the female think. ejaculate, you're gonna shit the bed. <laughs> Pick your poison. <laughs> shit the bed or ejaculate the bed. So you you have a vulva puppet here on the table. Um, yes. Why? I like to use it as a teaching tool to show women where the G spot is, what it feels like. Does it, it feel had, accurate in there? Um well, you know, it's fabric versus I invite you to. She's, she's now puppet. threatening me, as the text heavy Irish youth can attest. She's threatening me with a vulva puppet. So you want me to put my finger in there? Uh-huh. So what feel am I those ridges. There? So it, that's pretty much like what it feels flowers like. Flowers on a cupcake. Mm-hmm. But a stale cupcake where the frosting's gone crunchy. So once you felt that, you know what you're looking for. Okay, so once you feel that sort of... Those ridges, satiny, that texture. Are they dry like that and room temperature? It's pretty wet in there. Really? In general. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a little uncomfortable with the whole subject? I like, to, yeah. I like to power through my discomfort, but it has to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, a word for guys who are intimidated by female ejaculation. Uh, the, the other sort of, you know, after the letters from women who want to learn how, after the letters from guys who are freaked out that it's urine, after the letters from women who want to learn how to turn off the spigot, uh, letters from guys who are a little threatened by the idea of women doing this thing so associated with masculine sexual response, with, mm-hmm. with what the male does. The male blows loads and comes and ejaculates and marks things. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of bukkake bullshit that goes on out there in people's erotic imaginations. So some guys are uncomfortable with how uh, being with a woman who ejaculates sort of is themselves being feminized in some way. They are being ejaculated on. Right. And what's your advice to them? I would look at it as um, just compared to dating someone that you can push around a little bit and then dating someone who doesn't take your shit. You know, one is a little more challenging than the other, mm-hmm. but it's so much more fun. And you're going to have such good sex. It's really hot to be ejaculated on. I have not <laughs> well, met a guy who does There we have some like room it. for agreement. I think we found the <laughs> common ground in this whole conversation about female ejaculation. So as people who are in Seattle who are interested in taking your workshop, how do they find you? Um, they can find me online, evendeeper.info. And uh, I teach in West Seattle. And they can find me on Facebook, too. That's where I advertise. Heike? Rodriguez. Rodriguez. On Facebook and evendeeper.info? That's the website. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 42-year-old married woman. I live in western New York, and um, my husband and I have been together for about 16 years now, and we are lately have been looking into spicing up uh, our sex lives, including joining a swingers club, and my husband is interested in using uh, male chastity devices, 
And um, this is something that seems kind of painful and awkward to me, but it's his cock. So um, I'm willing to play along with him. Um, I found some uh, sites online, some blogs and and, uh, chat forums that gave me some information, but I was wondering if there is anything that you can add, any tips that you can give us uh, for how to proceed with this. So did your husband tell you why he wants to start using a malchastity device? Um, he said that he thinks that it would be interesting. I think that he has a bit of a submissive about him. Yeah, I would think um, so if he wants to be locked yeah, up well. in a malchastity <laughs> device. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's kind of brought it up off and on over, you know, the last couple of years, mostly saying, well, things like, have you heard of these or have you seen them? And I've always been like kind of, you know, brush it off. And then when he mentioned it the last time, I thought he's brought this up more than just in passing. So maybe <laughs> I should just blow it off Oh anymore. my God, he, was, he must have been so nervous the first time he brought it up. And then it must have killed him that he had to bring it up a second time. And he must have been yeah. dying that he had to bring it up a third time. He wants this. If- he wants to cede control of his dick to you in this play scenario to like jazz up your marriage. He probably like most guys beats off a lot and looks at porn now and then. And this is his Mm -hmm. way of saying, I'm going to give that all up and I am not even going to have access to my dick except when you want to use it. And how, how hot is that? It's well, part of me thinks it's very, very hot. Another part of me says, why on earth would anyone give up that much power? Obviously, I'm not a submissive. <laughs> well, I think I think it would give up that much power because the reward is going to be yeah. great because of the buildup, because of the tension, and because of the and so you you can't be passive if you decide to do this. You can't take this mm-hmm. gift really. It's kind of a gift. This little like thing yeah. he's going to lock his dick up in. He's going to give you the key, and you can't be right. then indifferent to the sacrifice uh-huh. he's made. Right. So you kind of have to get into the sort of playfulness of it if you're going to do it. Otherwise, he's really going to feel humiliated in the wrong way. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. That, that You have to be um, an active I, participant. It's not like lock it up and forget it. You kind of have to be an active, part- <laughs> an active jailer of his death. An active jailer, right. And I've read a little bit um, about it online since you know, I finally grabbed the clue that he's really serious about this. And I, it seems like there are a lot of different ways of going about it, like guys who are lock, locked up all the time, others who are locked up just for play periods. I, I know that there's no right or wrong for any this is sexuality you, other you, than, you know, that everyone wants it. But You need to negotiate you know. this with him. Like, what is he thinking of and what does he want? But before you go into those negotiations so that it's sexy, you need to think of what you want. Because it'll be, mm-hmm. I think if he's submissive streak and he wants to do this, he wants it to be driven in part by you. He doesn't want to just give you like an outline of how he wants it to go and then you hit those marks. So right. you need to figure out exactly what he's thinking and then add 10%. Add, make a demand. Okay. Uh-huh. So that it's a little more playful. So the stakes are a little higher for him. Right. And then figure out, you know, you need to get one. He needs to experience the reality of having one on. I've had one on. I got uh-huh. one, a CB6000, when I filmed something for a TV show about them, and they gave us five of them. And wow. went on. they're a little uncomfortable. I'll tell you that you can't really ride a bike wearing one. Okay. And they're also not inescapable. Like, if he loses his mind, you can get out of it. 
Right. The the CB6000s, which are the kind of the most popular and uh, widely known uh, mm-hmm. chastity devices. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he'll be able to bust out if, you know, it's a choice of that or cut his dick off. He can break the thing off. Um, right. And then, you know, put it on for six hours. Put it on, experiment with it. You know, people, you read the blogs, and I've recommended blogs about malchastity where, you know, they're difficult to sleep in. It takes some time to get used to it and to be comfortable. But the more time you wear it, the longer you can wear it for. And some guys go weeks and weeks and weeks wearing them. Uh-huh. But, wow. you know, sometimes when a guy's a submissive, his, you know, eyes are bigger than his submissive capacity. <laughs> right. And the reality. And that's something that, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's something that we haven't really done much with um, so far. That the submiss- his submissive nature, because I'm such. I'm a person who really likes things to be on equal footing, so it's hard for me personally to kind of set that aside and take the dominant role. Um, but I think that this would be a, a huge step. In don't, 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 don't even think of it that way. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, we're, you know, somebody's being unfairly used and somebody has the upper hand or an advantage. This is cops and robbers for grown-ups with your pants off and orgasms. That's all it is. It's a game. Okay. It's like playing charades well, with your genitals. Uh-huh. It's not <laughs> some sort of betrayal of the egalitarian marriage that you actually do have. Mm-hmm. Right, you're just stepping into roles and goofing around and having a little right. fun. And okay. it, ha, have you discussed it with him since the like third big um, hint? Yeah, I've I have a little bit because um, I told him that I found some stuff online, and um, I asked him kind of what he thought he might want to do um, because I had read about you know people wearing them for months and. You know, I asked him if he wanted to wear it all the time or just part of the time because I would think that, you know, it might be a little awkward in the locker room at the gym Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, even doing, you know, working out. Um, And he said that he just wanted to try it for, you know, short periods of time to start out with. Um, But that's really all we've talked about. Um, A wise wise man. (laughs) So here, here's what you can do. You can agree that he's going to wear it when he's not with you. Okay. Uh, on certain, you know, not on, maybe not on days he's going to the gym or he has to work. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's the weekend and I'm going out with my girlfriends. And so you're getting locked up because I'm not going to be here. Right. And I'm not going to trust you uh-huh. alone with your dick. Like, that can be the rule. I'm not trusting you alone with your dick. But when I'm around, you can have it out. Mm-hmm. But I, what okay. I would do if I were you is just order the thing. Let him know uh-huh. the date that it's arriving. Mm-hmm. Because then he will be beating off furiously between <laughs> now and that date. Uh-huh. And then when you get it, like, figure out how it fits, adjust it, put it on, and then see how mm-hmm. long you can take it. Okay. And then call us back and let us know how it went. Will do. Good luck. This is, you know, Thanks. I've recommended these before to, you know, couples where there's a porn problem or where there's some grievances around you masturbating too much. And this just makes sort of a game. Out of mm-hmm. who's in charge of uh, of your genitals, who's in charge of your dick, right? And that's all it is, and it, it, it can be it can be a lot of fun. So enjoy; it's a good way for a sixteen years married couple to spice it up. Excellent, thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Hi, Dan. I'm calling on behalf of a friend who I recently introduced to your love cast. Um, here's the deal with my friend. 
he is in a remote part of the country and doesn't have a huge gay pool to choose from. And he's recently been dating a guy. It hasn't been going so well. It's been kind of awkward. Um, but she kept dating him because neither of them really had many alternatives. And he was at the point where he was thinking about breaking up with this guy when the guy told him, you know, I never tell anyone this because I don't feel comfortable, but, and you're the first guy who I'm dating that I'm telling, but actually I'm HIV positive. And so now my friend feels like if he breaks up with them, which he was planning to before this, and, you know, he looks like an asshole and he looks like he's dumping him about the HIV status and not because it really wasn't working out. What should he do? Well, obviously, your friend has to marry this guy. There's no escape. Uh, the guy played the trump card, the, the HIV positive guy that he's been dating, and now there's no way for your friend to ever extricate himself from this relationship. He's trapped. All right, next call. Uh, here's what your friend has to do. You know, if he wants to communicate to the guy that his HIV status isn't the reason that he's dumping him, he has two options. He can tell him that, tell him again and again and again, as he breaks up with him or he can continue to see the guy for a little while longer demonstrate by continuing to see him through his actions that you know the big news that he was positive isn't wasn't you know grounds for terminating uh the relationship and then after giving it you know another month maybe or two then end it Either way, though, the guy is going to assume that HIV is the reason because it exonerates him from having to take any responsibility. Uh, he can say, oh, it's not me. It's not my personality. It's not my looks. It's not anything to do with me. It's that I'm positive. Uh, it's the virus and it's his bigotry and hangups and fears and insecurity around that that caused him to dump me and he's stigmatizing me because I'm positive. And then he's likely to, you know, get angry. At your friend. And that's usually what people are afraid of when, you know, they find something out about a person that makes them feel like they can't dump them. Like somebody, you know, you're dating somebody and their one of their parents suddenly gets very ill or they tell you they're positive or they have some life crisis and you were about to dump them and then you feel like, well, now I can't. What do I do? You dump them anyway. You, you don't keep dating someone. You can't pity fuck somebody for 50 years because uh, they're positive. So what would I do in that situation, bringing it back to the top of the show? I would probably continue to see him for a little bit, casually wind it down, and then end it and emphasize when I ended it that it wasn't about his pause status, uh, and hopefully it isn't about his pause status, uh, because I don't think that's a really terrific reason to dump somebody. But your friend needs to reconcile himself to the likelihood that this guy is going to be upset and angry and uh, make accusations directed at your friend that he dumped him because he's positive because he you know because he was honest about being positive your friend retaliated against him by dumping him and that's going to be not the price of admission as we like to say around here about relationships but the price of exit good luck to your friend hey um this is about the guy it's podcast 230 something but he was dating the single mom with the kid and he broke it off and he was wringing his hands, as Dan said, and just, you know, it's all those single guys out there who want to date women who have kids. If you're not, if you don't think you're going to be able to commit to the kid to, don't even start. Don't be an ass. 
Hi, I'm just calling in response to the man who had said, he called in and said he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a father, he's 30 years old. And this reminded me of my experience. I was actually much younger, I was 21, and I started a relationship with a man who had a two-year-old. And I was really unsure, but I really loved this man. And I decided it was a package deal, and so I committed. And it was the best thing that I ever did. Nobody's ever really ready to be a parent or knows for sure. But when you commit to it and you just do it, sometimes it turns out really wonderfully. Often it does. Um, I subsequently married and then divorced that man, but we were together for 10 years. And I got a beautiful son out of it. I adopted the two-year-old, and he's now my 19-year-old son. He's wonderful. And bonus, I didn't have to do diapers or pregnancy or breastfeeding. He's a wonderful son, and it was a great decision. And he's the only child I have, so I'd recommend it. All right, we are going to leave it there. We want to thank our guest, Heike Rodriguez, for coming in and chasing me around the table with her terrifying vulva puppet. What is it with me and vulva puppets? This is not the first time, Debbie, I've been chased around a table or a couch or an auditorium by somebody wielding a vulva puppet. We want to thank Heike Rodriguez for coming in and talking with us about female ejaculation. And of course, we want to thank all of you for listening and for calling with your questions and your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number where you can leave us a question or a comment for a future program. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth, we'll be back at you next week with another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>